What's up, everybody? This is Word of a Rebel, and today is part two of the episode about um, getting your financial health up, getting your financial situation sexy, just like you would with your physical situation. Um, so, yesterday I was speaking up about, you know, how do you how do you consistently feed your finances, um, you know, healthy, consistent um, food, and I spoke about that. Be sure to check out the first episode. Then I also spoke about um, how to kind of warm up to a new financial growth activity um, with the Robinhood app. As I mentioned, it's at the in the Instagram bio on my Instagram page um, at Word of a Rebel. You can try that out there. Um, you know, if you want to get more information on why I use the Robinhood app and how I use it, be sure to check out part one of. Um, this conversation, which is available right now, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, you can check out the episode about, you know, financial health um, and, and how to warm up to that activity. Uh, so now in this episode, I, I mentioned that I was going to speak about two particular things, which was, um, you know, getting developing side hustles that are going to bring in consistent income. Um, if that's a path that you want to take and, and also real estate. Now I, I spent a lot of time on my podcast talking about different types of real estate and how to make money. So I'm going to start off with the side hustle conversation and then we're going to move into talking about, um, real estate. So think of your side hustles, like the extra activities that you do that are going to, you know, build up your physical fitness. So things like, you know, randomly taking a walk to um, the grocery store instead of driving, uh, playing a basketball game on the weekend. So your side hustle is like those kind of things. And then if you decide to, let's say, play basketball every weekend instead of just once in a while, then your side hustle is still like that extra thing that you do, um, but it's adding to your program, right? It's adding to the foundation of your, um, you know, your diet, your, um, your, your steady day, day job income, right? This is just additional. So things like, um, you know, the, the savings and the, the business investing and the stock investing, those are going to be the things that are like your strength training. That's where your strength training comes in. Okay. Um, and there are other forms of passive income that I'm going to talk about later, but we're, for this episode in particular, uh, we're going to focus on the direct, um, side hustles that you can do that, um, will, you know, or, or with people in your community that you directly speak to. So for the side hustle conversation, I'm going to go ahead and give a personal story. Um, for myself, uh, the side hustles that I have predominantly developed because of financial struggle, like to be honest, you know, um, and a lot of time that's where side hustles come from. But you don't only have to have a side hustle um, whenever you're struggling. You can have a side hustle in addition to consistent foundational income. Um, but, you know, there were times even, and so that's, you know, Initially, my first side hustle started from a situation of struggle, but I did maintain some of them um, even when I had consistent income coming in. So it's, it's doable and it was really, really helpful um, to have that extra money. So the way that I, you know, created my side hustle was number one um, was offering freelance services for people that I knew that had businesses. So um, there were a couple people that I knew that uh, had office work to do. It might've been data entry. It might've been research. Um, just, you know, simple things that you can do just with some basic computer knowledge. And so, um, I would basically, you know, get paid like $8 an hour. Um, it was work I could do at home. 
you know, just pull out my laptop, do the work. And what I would do is I would just make sure I was consistently, um, you know, accurate with the work that I was creating because a lot of this was just was data entry and research. Like I mentioned, it's factual based. And so just making sure that you're consistently accurate was important. Now, in some of these situations, um, the person's business could yield um, a potential for large paychecks off of the data that I was bringing in. So in that situation, we actually worked out a commission thing where um, I still got paid my hourly rate, but if the researcher data that I pulled out uh, or, or organized um, got brought in a, a bigger paycheck, I would get a portion of that paycheck because obviously, you know, that business would not have made that money without the data entry and the research that I was doing. So that was one thing. So it's about using your contacts, in other words, using your network and figuring out are there people that you already communicate with on a regular basis who maybe have a business or have some sort of a project they're working on and you could be an asset utilizing, you know, any type of skills that you may have, you know, don't overlook um, the things that you do as skills. Really think creatively about what it is that you do, what you're good at, what you have fun with, um, and how those can be utilized as skills for businesses. So that was one of them. Uh, another one is that um, even before I was actually a teacher, um, I was really good at just at, at teaching things. You know, you don't have to get a degree to be a teacher, right? Um, you have to get a degree to be employed because all your degree shows is like basically like y'all all this this movement to knock about uh getting a bachelor's degree is bs okay um no not everybody needs to have a degree to get a job but the degree is basically saying this particular institution that has a particular reputation confirms that i know how to do this thing right so this degree confirms that I can that I studied and have the knowledge to be an architect, that I studied and have the knowledge to be an engineer or a teacher or a nurse. That's what the degree does. It's confirmation that not only you know, like, are saying that you know how to do these things, but that there's a group of people at a university who've watched you develop and can confirm, yes, this person has learned the knowledge. So once again, no, you don't need to do it, but... That paper does hold value because that's what it's proof of. It's proof that multiple people are your references for your expertise. You feel me? Okay. So prior to um, getting my education, though, in that and getting my degree in uh, in, in psychology and in, you know in history and international studies and all that, I knew how to teach. I knew the basic concept. I got better at it after studying, but that was one of the side hustles that I did, um, which was just tutoring people in things that I was good at. You know, I, one of the things that I intuitively did, I guess I developed it probably across my childhood and teen years, was under, having a knack for figuring out um, how to best present information to a person based on who they are. Making it relatable. That was something that I was always really good at. So when it came to tutoring, it kind of came naturally because I could take math, I could take history, I could take science, um, you know, memorization. Um, whatever the necessary study skill was and I could apply it to that person um, for them to be able to learn what they needed and pass those tests and whatnot so that was a side hustle lots and lots of tutoring and as word got out that I was good at it I got more and more clients so the second thing that you can do so first thing working with your network second thing is 
uh, being honest about what you're good at, what your strengths are, and figuring out how can you turn that into um, a side hustle? How can that earn you money? The third way that you can um, figure out a side hustle is to think about the things that people always need and try to figure out a way that you can fill that need, right? So, you know, that's the reason why we have things like Uber and Lyft and, you know, um, these new like food delivery services because these are businesses that recognize this is a thing that people always need in our society. Um, so why not provide that service? Now, so think about other things that people always need. Okay, people have a house, they have clothing, they have kids, they have vehicles. Um, what if you provided, um, you know, chore services? What if you um, agreed to take their car to get maintenance and you're going to stay, you know, you have a, a maintenance delivery program, right? You bring the car to the place and you drop it off for them. So they don't have to. You bring them to work, bring their car to the shop, and you can do this for multiple people. And then what you do is you schedule it so that you can then pick up their vehicle uh, and go back and pick them up and bring them home. And so this person doesn't have to worry about um, dropping themselves off, getting you know commuting from their vehicle to work, and back and forth. And you provided this additional service for them. Um, think about people in um, when it comes to like their children. Um, what if you could be the person to do um, like check-ins instead of babysitting? What if you were just the check-in person for like older kids, right? So, you know, if you live in a, in a community where um, a lot of kids are home after school, maybe they don't need an actual babysitter, but what if you could just drive up, you know, walk in, make sure everything's safe and secure in the house, and then give a text message to the parents like, hey, checked in this time, today this is what the kids were doing and then you could do this for like you know five to ten households right and you're just kind of helping these parents um have a little bit more comfort because teenagers be doing stuff like for real like i know a couple of families where one of the teenagers set fire to the kitchen and they didn't find out until they got home you see what i'm saying so you're providing a service that no one else is man i should be charging for these ideas bruh for real y'all this would actually work. Um, once again, this is just something that you could do. Let's say, for example, if you're somebody who has time from three to five, this would be a great side hustle, a really, really good side hustle. Um, so the third thing is think about the things that people definitely need and figure out if there's a way that you can provide that service. Okay, so step uh, option one, look within your network. Are, are there people in, in, in the business world that you already connect with that would need services that maybe you could provide? Second thing is um, utilizing the skills, things that you're already good at, whether or not you've been professionally trained. And third is thinking about the needs of your community, the things that everybody just naturally needs. And is there something that you can do to meet that need? That's the side hustle game broken down as simply as I possibly can. Now we're going to jump into this real estate conversation because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There are people who are trying to claim that you can't save money by buying and they try to throw out the cost of buying as a deterrent. Don't listen to those people. They don't, they're, I don't know where the hell they're coming from with saying that that somehow is a reason to not get involved. Here's the thing. This is why I talk about it this way. 
Those people who are trying to deter you from buying, I don't even know where they're coming from with this information. They're just, they're, they're, they're just discouraging people. Basically, they're trying to feed the myth of fear. Feed the myth that you're not good enough, that you can't do this, that that hurdle is too massive for you to get over. It's bullshit. And the way I noted it as bullshit is because I started with zero before buying my first multifamily property. You understand? And I'm on my way to buying my second one. I'm making those moves because my goal is to have at least three of them. And I, you trust and believe I'm going to do it. And I've had people who doubted me along the way. I had people who were trying to say, you know, oh, you know, say, oh, that's going to be really, really difficult to do. Or, you know, how are you possibly going to manage that? You know what, honey? I'm going to find a way. Because when you really want to do something, you're going to find a way. And it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter income, credit issues. It doesn't matter, um, you know, family size, you know. No, none of that matters. Education, none of that matters. If you really want to achieve something, whether it's real estate or something else, there is a way. Nothing is impossible. So if you are someone who is, look, I'm not really sure if I can, hit me up. Let's have a conversation, okay? I'm going to explain to you. First, you're going to explain your situation, and all the concerns home. that you have, and, um, and I'm going to talk to you about it. You'll explain all the concerns that you have, all the questions that you have, and then I'll explain to you how to make it happen, okay? So for peop some people are going to um, be better off buying things like condos, right? Because condos are super cheap. That's what people don't understand. Them things are super cheap. You're going to pay a lot less than rent, okay? All I got to do is get you approved uh, with a lender. I'm going to show you how to do that, okay? Uh, some people are going to buy single-family houses to reduce their cost of living because um, they're already renting a house, and so buying a house would cost less. Uh, some people are going to do what I did and buy multifamily and live in part of it and rent out the other part of it, right? Um, some of you are going to do a mixture of these things. Some of you have businesses, so you're actually going to buy a commercial property and maximize the usage of it. You know, it depends on your goal. It depends on who you are, what you, what you, what your needs are. Um, but the point is reducing your cost of living and being empowered. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ask nobody, um, if I can or cannot change something to my property, you know, um, and let's, let's bust some of the myths up. So number one, um, how much down payment do you need? Sometimes 0%, sometimes 3%, sometimes 5% down, okay? Um, some people will go for the mortgage options um, and then put more down. Maybe they'll put 7 or 10% down, but it's not a requirement, okay? Don't buy into the myth. There was somebody, uh, somebody on Twitter posted this thing about uh, if you don't want to have mortgage insurance, you have to put 20% down. okay. Mortgage insurance ain't that expensive. I don't know where she was coming from with that. Like that's supposed to be a deterrent. I don't. I don't even know. I really don't even know. Because at the end of the day, if you're not maxing out your budget, buying is going to um, save you money. What I mean by maxing out your budget is not maxing out your budget on the house. See, people who have a problem with mortgage insurance, they're not buying smart anywhere in their life. So their car note is probably too high. The money they spend on food and clothing is probably too high. These are going to be the people who are going to be out all the time drinking up their budget. Like if you're living like that, then yeah, go ahead and keep on renting, honey. Because there's no point. 
for you because you already spending all your money on other things. So you might as well continue running because <clears throat> you're not going to be able to do better because your spending habits are still unhealthy. It's like that person that eats junk food. I'm not going to tell you to jump into the gym while you're still eating junk food. You got to address this diet habit that you have. It's the same thing when it comes to financial health. Okay? So she was saying all this BS about uh, mortgage insurance being a deterrent, uh, down payment and closing costs. Look, let me tell you something. Majority of states, majority of areas have programs available to get you started with real estate so that you could start with um, your first purchase being a lot cheaper, right? Now, your first purchase, this is why I, I try to guide people on setting up a good first purchase. It's the same way I would with physical health. You know, you got to start with a foundation, okay? That first purchase should reduce your monthly budget so that you can start saving money and still having fun. Like, to be able to do both. To be able to add to savings for future investments and to be able to have fun. Because you do need that. You do need both. So in other words, real estate investment is actually very, very um, useful. Actually, it might be one of the main components that you really need to have. Because um, aside from rental income and business income from real estate investment, also comes the fact that that is a great um, retirement plan. So right now you're paying rent, right? This is probably one of the most universal benefits of real estate investment. Um, if you're paying rent, that money is just going thrown away to somebody else's pocket. They're getting their, you're, you're paying off their debts for the property as well as giving them income every month. Um, and nothing is coming back to you. So for people who own their property, if, if you have a single family property, you and your family live in it, Okay. It's going to accrue value, and when you're ready to retire, because the people that I bought my property from, this was just an older couple, they were retiring, um, and they were going to move into a smaller space, they made bank off my property when I bought it, because they paid a lot less for it whenever they bought it, so now they've got, their, it's a retirement plan, right? So you buy the house, you reduce your cost of living, and then every time you're paying toward the property, you're basically paying toward what's going to give you yield a, a major return. So maybe even more safe than 401ks as retirement plans is buying a property. And then when you sell it, that money that you put in, you're probably going to double it. So it's just an idea. Let me not say probably going to double it. Uh, I know for this couple in particular, they doubled it. Um... I wouldn't say everybody's going to double it, but you're definitely going to get a lot more a substantial increase on your investment um, if you can actually buy something and then sell it uh, as a retirement plan. But for those of you who want to get more than one property, um, there's definitely a way of growing wealth. And I call this basically the strength training. This is truly the strength. This is like real estate to me um, is like bodybuilding, right? It's that massive like body sculpting um, part of the financial health, um, because it's really going to build you up in, in a major way in ways that other things can't. Um, another thing that builds up your financial sexy muscles is going to be business investment. So it looks like I may end up having to do a part three of this episode, but I want, I might end with this right here. Just basically saying the point of this series, this two part series is that your financial health is just like your physical health. It's only as beautiful and wonderful as 
the maintenance that you put in, as the consistent actions that you put in, whatever you're consistently taking in determines the health of your finances, just like your body. Whatever activities you do consistently determines your financial sexy. So if you want to get financially sexy, then listen to my Make It Green 2019 series as well as this two-part episode, share this with others. If you have questions on how to put some of these in action, if you want me to just kind of like talk you through it, hit me up, send me a message at Word of a Rebel. Depending on how much time investment you need, it might just be a free thing. I might just respond to your message and answer your questions free. Don't hit me up with that, hey, or good morning. Tell me what you need in the message, because if all you say is, hey, and good morning, I'm going to assume that it's not that serious and I'm going to treat it like a hey or good morning on the street, on the sidewalk. Because I had somebody send me a message and say, hey, and then I didn't respond for like several days. And the person was like, well, hey, why didn't you say something? You said you were going to answer my question. I was like, you didn't tell me your question. I don't know about y'all, but when somebody hits me up and just says, hey, or good morning, You know, if it's on social media or on an email or a text message, to me, that's the same thing as if we pass it on the sidewalk and you said, hey, I'm not required to respond. I might just nod like, yo, what's up? You know, I might nod and not say anything. So you can't get mad if you just say, hey, like if you have a question, make that clear. Because if somebody stops you on the sidewalk and says, hey, I have this question, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to stop and answer the question. You feel me? So. If it's something that I can answer very quickly, or if I could just send you an episode link that will answer your question, then it'll be free of charge. You do have to remember that if you've got knowledge, if you've got information, you should be charging for the sharing of your information, right? If somebody else can make money on it. Um, So if I have to take time in helping you develop a plan, that's different. That's business consulting. But if all you need is just a quick answer to a question about, hey, how can I do this side hustle? What can I do about this particular thing on my credit? We can talk a little bit. I don't mind sending you a message real quick. That doesn't take too much of my time. So remember, hit me up at Word of a Rebel on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, at Word of a Rebel. And so you want to get your financial sexy? Hit me up. Let's make it happen. Peace.